song, don't you? That just reminds me of, of being a pastor down in Alabama. And I'll tell you what, that, that song here just will ring true to you. Amen. I love it. Thank you, praise team, and just thank you for that good, good song this morning. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, give the Lord a hearty praise. Amen. God is good. Good to see you on this Memorial Day weekend. I hope and pray God gives you a good time as you just bring your family together, as you thank the Lord for his goodness, and uh, thank God for his graciousness. And good to see you here in the Lord's house today. Boy, didn't you enjoy the praise team this morning? Wasn't that awesome? Let's give the Lord a, I mean to tell you, God's been good to us. Enjoyed that good singing, and uh, they just bless my heart every time they lead us in praise and worship. Praise the Lord. God's good. There, there's a story in the Bible that has always fascinated me, and it has always intrigued me, and it's challenged me as a believer. And uh, there's a story in the book of Mark, and of course, I love preaching from the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there's a story in Mark chapter 9 uh, about the transfiguration of Jesus, you know. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, they went to the top of this mountain, and that is where God revealed himself on that mountaintop experience. And uh, God not only revealed himself, but, but God sent down two Old Testament icons, Elijah and Moses. And they came down and they conferred with Jesus on this mountain. And they were encouraging uh, Jesus to go all the way to the cross to pay for all a man's sin. And, and, and Elijah came uh, as representing prophecy. Jesus, you got to go to the cross to, prop, to fulfill all prophecy. Elijah is a representation of all Old Testament prophecy. Moses came because he came to represent the law. And he was encouraging Jesus. You've got to go all the way to the cross because the law has got to be fulfilled. No man has ever lived and satisfied the law of God. No man has ever met the demands of the law. The Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We fail miserably. But they were encouraging Jesus because he's the first man that's ever lived that perfectly satisfied the law. And they were saying, Jesus, if man has any hope of ever getting to heaven, you've you got to make it all the way to the cross. And you've got to be the supreme sacrifice that will cover the sins of all mankind in past, present, and future. And they had this meeting on top of this mountain. And, and the Bible says that the voice of God, God the Father showed up and said, this is my beloved son who's met the demands of the law. Moses was there. Elijah was there. And these guys came from the Old Testament era. Thousands of years they've been dead. They came back from heaven and they, they met on this mountaintop experience and there this glorious Shekinah glory. God the Father blessed his son. And Jesus, as the Bible says, kind of left his human form for a few moments. And the Bible says his glory, the glory of Jesus, the glory we're going to see one day in heaven, the Shekinah glory, the brilliance of God's glory just broke through the veil of his flesh. And there was this beautiful outpouring of the honoring of Jesus Christ. It was beautiful. 
Peter, James, and John were stunned when they watched Jesus transform from human form to heavenly glory. And they were stunned. And there was this meeting between Jesus, Elijah, Moses, and the Father. The greatest Bible conference ever took place. It was glorious. Peter, James, and John, they just stood there. In fact, it was so great God had to cover it with a cloud because no human being could ever look upon the glory of God and survive. And God just covered this with a cloud. They could see through the cloud. They could see all of this taking place. And when the cloud dissipated, Elijah went back into eternity and, and, and Moses went and God the Father went back to the throne in heaven and Jesus stood there back in his human form. And, and Peter, James, and John said, this is the most magnificent thing we've ever seen. They had never seen Jesus like this before. And they're like, man, we got a glimpse of how beautiful and glorious you are. And this, this event was so fabulous. We're going to build three buildings in, in honor of the Father, in honor of Elijah. And an honor of Moses. And we want to set this up as a memorial of the greatness of God. They said, This was awesome. They were just mesmerized by the glory of God, as soon we shall be. And the Bible says that when this experience came to a close, they had to go down the side of the mountain. And Jesus said to the disciples, he says, now, you guys kind of keep this to yourself. Now, after I die and after I'm raised from the dead, then you guys can tell this story. But until that time, I want this concealed. And they did just that. And they went down off that mountaintop experience. And they experienced demonic oppression they experience hardship and pain and agony. And they experienced the contrast of living on the mountaintop and going down in the valley, which is very typical of our Christian life. There are times we have mountaintop experiences, great opportunities. God reveals himself to us. God answers a prayer. We get excited about what the Lord's done. And then all of a sudden, we get down in that valley. And we experience the pain and sorrow. We experience hardship. The Bible says in Mark 9, 28 and 29, and I want to speak to you on facing our failures. And the Bible says this afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, there are some believers who believe the moment you become a Christian, you automatically become equipped with all the power you need to overcome the forces of the devil against you. And yet there are some people who believe they are immune from the attacks of the devil. And you don't have to go very far down that Christian path before you realize that's just a myth. Because it takes something more than just professing to be a child of God, to possess God's power, to overthrow the, 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 the defiant forces that come against you as a believer. Now, here's a lesson for all of us. Having the wrong expectations about the power of God can really set us up for a faith-wrecking encounter. 
In fact, just one faith-wrecking disaster can bring disillusionment and early resignation. Do you know sometimes we can set ourselves up for deep disappointment and sorrow? This morning, I want to address the subject on facing our failures, facing our spiritual failures, and an impotent, anemic ministry that can lose its effectiveness in the face of a very hostile world in which we live. The Bible says the devil is the prince and the power of the air. We have demonic forces coming in against us, especially God's children. The devil is constantly devising ways to trip you up, to pull you down, to drag you down to where he is, to, to, to take you away from God's plan and God's will for your life. He's strategizing right now as you're sitting in church. How can he distract you from this message? How can he get you to think about something else? How can he get in between the preacher and the word of God and your soul and spirit? How can he create a division? How can he strategize a way to shoot and target your faith? It's that subtle awareness that deep down we don't have the spiritual muscle to battle life-threatening disruptions that come against us. In the Gospel of Mark, we read about an incident that teaches us a lesson about the frustration of a failed ministry. In fact, chapter 9, it just talks about that holy huddle I talked about of transfiguration. The Bible states that Jesus was glistening as a lightning. The dazzling glory of God actually broke through his veil of flesh on the Mount of Transfiguration. And after this night conference passed, the Bible says that Peter was pumped up and he said, man, we have got to establish a memorial here. But then they were descending down that mountain. Jesus and his three other disciples decided to meet up with the nine other disciples. And they noticed that they were surrounded with a crowd of bickering and arguing and confusion. You see, these guys, Jesus and the three other disciples, came down from this heavenly vision to dwell in the valley of devils. They exchanged the elevated company of Moses Elijah for the crude, hateful dealings of the unbelieving Pharisees. They left a foretaste of glory as the imposing voice of God the Father testifies of his glorified Son to return down to a very dark, dismal place of pain and misery, to return to a tormented child, a father in anguish, a little band of defeated disciples restrained by Satan's power, totally powerless to save this little boy who was being destroyed by a fierce and controlling demon. The contrast is a vivid picture for all of us. And I want to share some things with you about these nine disciples. Peter, James, and John were on a mountain of great victory. The other nine disciples were confronted with a father who had a little boy who was demon-possessed. And this father comes running up to these nine disciples and said, aren't you guys the followers don't you represent Jesus Christ, the one who claims to be God? Don't you have the power that your master has that you could deliver my son from this demon and save me from this God-awful tragedy? The Bible says that these nine disciples reached out and did all that they could 
And they could not, they could not get the demon out of that child. They could not save the father from his heartache. In fact, I want to share with you three things. Number one, the fatal frustration of inadequacy. In fact, Mark 9, 18 says, and whenever this spirit seizes him, this is the father talking to Jesus, whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out this evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. They were powerless to help. Nothing overwhelms us more than when conflicts come up against us that seem to have a greater power than our faith. We feel small and powerless as our frustration grows before us, as we stand victims of our own insufficiency and inability and our own inadequacy. I have found that in the Christian life and the power of the arm of my own flesh, I cannot overcome the weakest demon from hell. I realize in my life that I have no power over the forces of evil. And the only power in victory I can have is when I surrender myself only to the power and the might of Jesus Christ. And we learn pretty quick in our Christian life that, that not every problem and every attack and, com uh, and conflict that comes against us has the same degree of power and might. In fact, all spiritual battles are not just one size fits all. There are some demons that come against us and there are some problems that come against us that are far greater than you and I possess in life. I believe we've all been there. We've plunged forward into opportunities of Christian service, assuming the success that we had maybe a couple years ago will help us, expecting our natural ability to be sufficient to get us through. And yet we're caught off guard when, when the enemy opposes us with a surprise attack that totally finds us unprepared to cope with the pressure of the attack. So we, under that frustration, that fatal frustration, we concede. And we give in. We cave. And later on, we come to our senses after we've given, after we've quit. We come... We become conscious that while we were emotionally stressed and while we were vulnerable and while we were depressed, Satan had a way of maneuvering us out of God's will for our, for our lives. Satan wins and he trumps our ministry. How easy it is to be moved out of that place of blessing in our life. To step up to the plate of Christian ministry with a spirit of complacency and a lack of spiritual preparation is setting ourselves up for humiliation and assured failure. Because we have no idea hiding behind our ministry opportunity, our demonic forces ready to attack when we're least expecting it. They know how to hide in the bushes. They know how to hide behind trees. And they come at us in our most vulnerable moments. And number two, I want to share with you this thought, the seemingly hopeless impossibility. Now, this was an impossible situation. In fact, Mark 9, 20 and 21, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked this question, how long has this been happening? And the father replied, since he has 
been a little boy. Here we read a sad story about a boy who was tormented for many years. In fact, Jewish historians tell us that the boy was around the age of 12 when this incident happened in Mark 9. And possibly they said that he was possessed since he was at the age of four. And Jesus addresses the span of this possession. How long has this boy been oppressed and possessed? Now, you and I both know that Jesus is omniscient. Jesus knows exactly the span of this possession in this boy. He knows everything. But Jesus begins to ask the father because he's going to reveal a clue about satanic spiritual warfare. And that is, he reveals to us that the length of time this demon has ran his tentacles deep into the life of this child, into the life of this family. And the deeper and the longer this demon has stayed in this boy, the stronger the grip that the devil has. For over eight years, this demon had tormented this boy and had held him hostage by a malignant demon. For over eight years, this malevolent demon had taken this little boy's life by force. Long-term obsessions with sinful practices, depressions and addictions and bitterness and anger are never easily given up. If the devil can get a foothold of anger in you, if the devil can get a foothold of an addiction in you, or if the devil can get a hold of one vice in your life, and as long as you allow him to stay in the living room of your, of your life or in your family, the roots will go far deep to control and to empower you. Jesus looked at this father and said, how long has this been taking place. He wanted to give a clue to the father. The longer the demon stays, the greater the power that he possesses. I have no idea how or why this child became possessed of a devil. Someone possibly opened a door around this child. I don't know. We don't have the history of this. That he would be overtaken by this defiant demon. But nevertheless, this poor tortured boy needed a greater power without to help him. And it's apparent this demonic possession also wreaked havoc with the family. It's possible the mother and father had separated or possibly the mother had died. We don't know if the mother mother was involved in some form of witchcraft. We don't know. But there is something happened. Some open door took place in this little boy's life. But it's obvious the father has been ripped apart watching his son being tormented and destroyed by this controlling demon every day for eight years. And I can only imagine eight long years of watching his son being tortured by this malignant demon. Eight years is unfathomable. Eight years of loss of sleep. Eight years of hearing screaming and grinding of teeth, writhing in pain. Eight years of a disrupted family life. Eight years of being exposed to, to mental insanity and foul behavior. Eight years of cursing and corruption and filth and total chaos. Eight long years this father was forced to listen 
to this defiled demon that would gush out filthy words out of the mouth of his sweet, innocent son. No wonder this poor, weary father ran to Jesus for help and deliverance. Imagine the hope that swelled in his heart the day when someone says, I know someone who can cure your son. I know someone that can cure him and set him free. I know someone who has the power of demons to deliver. I know of a man named Jesus from Nazareth. I know this man who claims to be the son of God. He has the power over all the forces of evil. Get to Jesus and you're going to get help. Get to Jesus and you're going to get deliverance. And the man for the first time got a word of hope and a word of faith from God and decided to run as fast as he could, so excited and ran into the nine men, threw his little boy and said, save my son, deliver him. And the Bible says the nine disciples could not. And as this little boy laid in front of these nine disciples, the devil loved to flex his muscle, and he loves to intimidate. And he took this little boy and raised him up, threw him to the ground, and his teeth began to grind. And they created convulsions in him where he was beginning to foam in his mouth. And the father says, I can't get near water because... The, the demon will drown him. I can't get near fire or it will try to burn him. And, oh, you got to help me. And these men probably did everything in their power to scream and yell and did everything they could to get the demon out. And they could not. The father's heart began to sink. And after he began to feel hopeless, he looks to his left and here comes Jesus. The one who was just glorified on the mountain. He's walking with Peter, James, and John. And Jesus walks up and says, what's all this confusion? And the Pharisees are laughing and saying, your men think that they have the power of demons. And there's a mockery. Oh, and the devil loves to flaunt his power. He wants you to think his power is greater than God's. He wants us to become fearful. He wants us to be intimidated. He wants us to back away. And the devil does everything he can to intimidate us. He understands our framework. He understands our fear base. He understands our inadequacies. And he flaunts it. Jesus looks at these other nine disciples and he sees the fear. And I imagine the other nine disciples were afraid. They saw this little boy get raised, thrown to the ground. They saw the foam in his mouth. They, they, they saw the convulsions, his eyes rolling back in his head. And, and, and with his mouth wide open, there is still an articulation of a voice. There is a demonic possession. And they could not. shut down for fear. And then it brings us to the third. And that is the honest search for truth. The Bible says that Jesus and all of the other 12 disciples went into a house. And Jesus had already delivered the little boy from the demon. 
And they walk into the house, and the other nine disciples were greatly troubled. And they knew they failed the father. They knew they failed that boy. They knew they didn't have the power to overcome. They knew that the presence of Satan's power overpowered them, and they were greatly disturbed. And they, they pulled Jesus, and they said, Lord, you, you told us to go in your name. You, you told us to, 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 to do the ministry, but God, we could not. Why could not we do your ministry? Why did we fail? Verse 19, Jesus commands they bring the possessed boy to him. And as they bring this little boy that's a demon possessed to Jesus, the demon sees the Lord. And this demon is so malignant and so rebellious, so hateful, that it defies the Lord's command by violently abusing the boy right in the presence of Jesus. I want, you to, I want you to know something. There's no such thing as any good demon. The Bible says in verse 20, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and the child fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Man, when I read that, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, the creator of the world. I mean, he's standing right there in the presence of this demon. And this demon defiantly says, I'm going to rebel against you. I'm going to fight you for this child. I've got my tentacles into this child for eight years, and I'm going to destroy this man's house. I'm going to destroy his family. I'm going to destroy this child. And I'm not going to let go. And let me tell you something. The devil, when he visits your home and when you open the back door to him, he comes in and the longer the tentacles go deep into your family, into your home, he refuses to let go. There is a power there, my friend, that we so many times misunderstand. The power of this demon... Power enough to prolong his stay in this boy in the presence of Jesus refused to give up. But I like what verse 25 says. Jesus, seeing this rebellious, evil, malevolent, malignant, cancerous demon, and Jesus sees this demon exposed destroying this child. He looks at this demon and he rebukes this evil spirit. And he says this, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. This dramatic exorcism is over in seconds. The boy is set free, the demon is expelled. 
The Pharisees who were mocking Jesus shut up. The crowd is stunned. The father is relieved. And the son is overjoyed. The power of God clashes with the defiant forces of evil. And the war is over. And after the crowd goes their way, Jesus and his disciples, they enter into a house and they question their own lack of control. They, they begin to question their failures. How is it the devil has ruled in my life? How is it I can't seem to get free? How is it that I am bound and yet I'm a child of God and I'm called to do, but God, I'm still bound. Lord, what is it? Where have I failed? Sometimes in our life we have to go introspection and we have to say, Lord, where is it that I'm losing victory here? Where is it that I'm losing power here? Why is it that my prayers are not being answered? Why is it, Lord, that we could not do ministry? And Jesus said, he looked at the curious searching eyes of these other nine and said, this kind. Implying that there are diverse levels of demonic forces that work in this world. There's a hierarchy of demons that carry out the destructive intentions of the kingdom of Satan. I've often heard it said, greater levels as you serve, greater devils that come against you. There will be certain times that Satan will strategically move against you and your family with mightier demons to break you down in God's service. You might have gotten a victory last year from a smaller demon, a less powerful demon, but every time you go forward and moving forward, Satan is not going to give up without a fight. He's going to send a mightier devil using devices and wiles and flaming darts to spoil you. And may I say this, it takes a daily vigil to prepare for the fight of your life. Jesus answers the disciples' questions by addressing two reasons for their failure. Number one, he first tells them their failure was due to their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. In fact, when Jesus came up to the, to the father and the son that was possessed with the other nine disciples, the father said to Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus responds, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus responds with this answer, anything is possible if a person believes. You see, when the devil flexes his muscle of power before us, he knows we'll be affected with our natural tendencies to fear and doubt. We begin to obsess that the devil has more power than we do. We begin to obsess of the fact that we can be overcome. And instead of obsessing over the power and the might of God, we look at our problems and we magnify it and we glorify it. But Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. In other words, he told the nine disciples and he told the Father, I don't care how powerful this demon is, if you believe, if you believe, anything is possible. Can you say the word anything with me today? Can you say it? Anything. Say it again. Anything. Anything. 
I think about the mountains in my life, and I'm thinking, God, you're talking about that mountain. Anything that comes into your life is possible for God to overrule and give you victory in your life. If you believe that today, give the Lord a praise. Because the demon had possessed this boy so long, it displayed disturbing power before the disciples by physically abusing its victim and fear weakened their faith. Evil tries its best to use deception to craft illusions of greater power. Greater power. The strong belief in the power of Christ should have been far greater than all the devils combined. We are only fit for God's service if we believe and step out in faith, trusting him, depending on his power to work through us. And then number two, the second reason why they failed, and that is he addresses the lack of prayer as a major cause. Jesus responds, this kind. This kind of overcoming can only take place, this kind, through prayer. I'm afraid these disciples were so satisfied with their commission and they were so satisfied with their association with Christ, they proceeded to do the work on this possessed child without taking time to draw from the power of God through prayer. This kind. This kind of opposition, this battle can't be overcome with casual prayer, but rather through fasting and seeking God. This kind. We're faithless because we don't know him intimately. We can't cast out demons. We cannot throw down the mountains of impossibilities before us because we don't ever get alone with him long enough to know him and do business in his presence. What am I saying? Jesus said, you got two things to these nine disciples. This is the fear. This is the failure of their faith. Number one, he said, you don't have faith that I can do all things. In order for us to overcome our obstacles, including myself, I got to have faith. Jesus said, don't come to me wavering. Don't come to me with an indifferent heart. Don't come to me believing maybe I can or maybe I can't. Don't come to me saying, if you can, you got to come to me with a full heart of assurance that I can do all things for you. Full faith. Then he said, this kind of exorcism, this kind of overcoming in your life, can only happen by prayer. Now, this word prayer in the Hebrew and the Greek term of this is, speaks about devoted, intense prayer. It's, it refers to the drinking of the Spirit of God. It talks about fasting. And fasting is not just about going without food. It is removing yourself from all the distractions of life so you can open up your antenna airway so God can speak to you and you can speak to God. It's taking all the clutter out of your life, getting alone with God and drinking from His Spirit and say, God, I cannot overcome this. I cannot get victory in myself. But God, as long as I spend time with you who are the roots of my life, Lord, if you would pour into me your might, your power, your strength, then I realize that you can do all things through me. Fasting 
is where you just get alone with God. You put food, TV, radio, music, entertainment. Fasting is just taking the clutter out of your life and getting alone with God. When was the last time that you just said, you know what, instead of watching America, you got talent, or the, the stupidest show on TV, The Bachelor, Really? I just made somebody mad, but turn it off and go for a walk in the woods and just get alone with God. Find an old tree stump. Just bow down there and say, God, I need you to help me because I, 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 the devil's tentacles is in my family, and he is ripping our family. He's ripping me apart. And, God, I need you to do something. And, God, you need to do something for our church. We need the anointing of God, the power of God. Lord, we need a visitation from on high. And, God, I can't overcome this. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm beat down. My faith is beat up. But, God, I need you to lift me up. I need you to do something in me that only you can do. This demon that is powerful, that is mighty, only you can do it. Give him glory. You see, Jesus said, consider it done, but you got to have faith that I can overcome the troubles in your life. Number two, you got to be willing this kind, ah, this kind of demonic attack. This kind is different than the battles you fought yesterday. This is a deep, deep, deep battle. This kind is only going to come through intense prayer and fasting and drinking from my spirit. What am I saying? You can overcome. We just got to face our failures first. Nominal Christian life, now I... Lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord, my soul to keep. All that stuff won't do. As the battles intensify, so do we. Intensify our connection to the great almighty who can do all things. He is greater than your battle. He is greater than your trouble. And you're coming into his house today, and if I could sit down and let Jesus stand up, he would say, you are more than a victor. I have given you victory in my name. You will overcome if you trust me. I need the Lord. Every day I realize my humanness and my fragileness I need God's power to help me stand. I need God's power to overcome the intensity of spiritual warfare that I'm in. Or else I'll stand like those nine disciples, enamored with the work of the devil. But we should be enamored with the work of Jesus Christ. What do you need in your family? What do you need in your life? What has come against you that is insurmountable? What demon has put its tentacles in your life? You know what? The longer you allow the demon to stay, the longer you give the devil excuses to stay, the greater the control and the power that he is going to take in your life. What I'm saying, take back what the devil has stole from you. Come back in Jesus' name. You can overcome. You can overcome.
you can win. With every head bowed and every eyes closed,